The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Lauren Rublin, Senior Managing Editor of Barron's. Thanks for joining us today to learn about the week ahead in stocks. It might be the dog days of summer, but it's one of the biggest weeks of the year for the markets. More than 150 companies are reporting second quarter earnings. The Federal Reserve will announce its latest interest rate decision on Wednesday, and we'll get a first reading on second quarter GDP on Thursday. Barron's Deputy Editor Ben Levison joins me today to discuss all of this and more. How are you, Ben? I'm sleepy, Lauren, just like this market is. <laughs> it has been very dull out there, hasn't it? Today is very quiet. I think it's probably yeah. the calm before the storm. That's that's what I'm thinking, because there's a lot of news ahead. So I thought we'd kick things off by looking at the Fed's rate hike decision. Inflation is now running about 9% annualized. That's even higher than when the Fed hiked rates by three quarters of a percentage point in May. The market is pretty much betting on another 75 basis point hike this month. But some people think the Fed will lift rates by a full percentage point. So what is going to inform the Fed's decision? And while we're at it, what is your prediction? Oh, gosh, you want me to make predictions? Never a good thing. Um, You know, so right now the market is pricing in three quarters, and you have to think that's what is going to happen. Um, The last time when the the Fed surprised by going to three quarters, you know, that was telegraphed um, through the Wall Street Journal. Um, We got uh, the story saying that the Fed is leaning towards three quarters, and lo and behold, there it was. Um, we haven't ha- had anything like that. In fact, the journal story has pointed to uh, three quarters of a point, and uh, you have to expect that's that's what's going to happen. I think uh, anything larger than that, or on the on the other side, though, it's not being priced in at all. Anything smaller than that, um, I think would would shock the market a little bit. Um, but so much is going to depend not just on the rate hike itself but on the messaging behind it. Um, you know, is the is it going to be a hawkish hike? Is it going to be a, you know, we're going to hike now, now we're going to we're going to wait and see, and we don't need to do three quarters anymore, we're going to do 50s. Um, you know, these are going to be very different messages that could come out of it. Um, and that's really what the market is looking ahead to. We are going to get uh, PCE on Friday this week. Um, that's personal consumption expenditures, the Fed's favorite invest- inflation measure. That's right. And, you know, it's lower on the year over year basis um, than uh, CPI is, but it's still running very hot. I mean, you're supposed to get uh, the uh, headline PC is supposed to go up 1% month over month. And that's that would be up from a rate of 0.6%. And the core PC is supposed to go up 0.6%, which would be up from 0.3% rate. So inflation is still you know, the, the numbers that they're looking at, I mean, of course, these are these are old numbers, but they're looking at these numbers and they are a bit stale, um, but they're still accelerating. Uh, I think the good news for the Fed is that the kinds of places where you would look to see how investors are feeling about inflation um, is, or how not even investors, how people are feeling about inflation are showing that inflation expectations are not getting out of control. So in the uh, University of Michigan uh, Consumer Sentiment Survey, um, inflation expectations over a five-year period have 
have come down. If you look at the amount of inflation priced into the tips, uh, into tips, into the Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, that's come down as well. Um, and so you're you're not seeing um, regular people, and you're not seeing investors saying, "Okay, there's uh, this inflation is going to be running out of control." And I think that's the the biggest thing the Fed has been afraid of is that um, you know that the, that people are just going to start uh, you know consumers will start buying things they don't need now to get in front of price hikes that they would expect to come that would be terrible um and we don't see that happening and so i think that's probably good for the fed um but the biggest decision it's gonna have to make is just can it start dialing back the rate hikes in order to keep that and and still keep those expectations in check or if it does dial it back are we going to start to see them come on board again and that would be a problem for sure. Let me ask you, how do you think the market will react to a 75 basis point hike? I, I think 75 basis point, the market will be fine. Again, it's going to come down to that messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's Powell going to say about going forward? I think what has thrown this market off all year long has been the the move by the Fed to, it, it, we, we've never known where the Fed is going to stop. And the market has been constantly adjusting um in, in in real time to it to, to new expectations for the fed and how much it's going to have to hike part of why the market has done so well since about mid-june is that we've seen bond yields pull back we've seen expectations for rate hikes pull back some and and that's really helped the market but if we start to see the, those expectations go back up again i think the market will have a tough time right whole different story so we have to remind people, though, that if the Fed hikes by 75 basis points, that's three quarters of a percentage point, the upward end of the range would be a Fed funds rate of 2.5%. And that is pretty low historically. That is low historically, but it's amazing how far it's come For in, sure. in a very short period of time. And, and that's, uh, I, I mean, I think that it's something that economists and uh, are really wrestling with right now. And, and you hear it when they're talking about bond yields, or they're talking about the the economic data. You could talk about something like um, jobless claims, which we're going to get our, our next reading on Thursday, but they've been rising quickly as well. They were well under 200,000. Now they're up to 251. They're supposed to go to 253,000 this week. And that's still a very low level, but it's rising uh, very quickly. And which of these are going to win out? Is it the historically low levels that wins out, or is this the rapid change that goes ahead and messes things up? Well, we're not going to find out just yet, but definitely the questions to ask. So speaking of the economy, we're going to get a first read on economic growth for the second quarter on Thursday. GDP fell 1.6% in the first quarter. The consensus estimate shows growth of half a percentage point in Q2. That is, or, or half a percent rather, that is barely any growth. And some people think we're already in a recession. Others say the aggregate numbers are bogus and that the labor market still is much too strong to indicate a recession. So how should we interpret Thursday's GDP report? Well, I think it's going to be, um, there, there's going to be a lot of this going on. So I don't think it's going to be able to answer any of these questions. Because as you pointed out, um, expectations are for it to be very low. So like barely in the growth range. Um, if you look at the GDP now, which basically uh, that the Atlanta Fed has, it's this, um, It's not a forecast. What they do is a each piece of data that comes out that would then be incorporated into GDP, they update their number. So this is based on what's been released so far. And right now it's tracking at a, a, a decline of 1.6%. 
um, if we do get a negative read, um, that means we'll have had two quarters in a row of uh, negative GDP and everyone is going to shout recession. Um, that's what, uh, you know, the, the kind of that back of the envelope uh, definition of recession is two quarters of negative growth. Um, the the problem there is that uh, what's driving these uh, these negative readings um, in the first quarter of the year it was really the difference between uh, imports and exports we were just importing a ton and that subtracts from GDP um, in a big way um, and and that's what drove it into negative territory um, this quarter it might be inventories that that do it um, so it's it's really hard to know. Um, it's it, it, just looking at the GDP numbers, um, they are not, they're messy because it doesn't, I, I'm pretty sure that if you asked anyone in the first quarter, if we were in a recession, they would have laughed at you. Um, the, the, the strong exports were, if anything, a sign that how strong the economy was. If you ask people in the second quarter, you might get some different answers, but it still doesn't quite feel um, as bad as a recession it would normally feel, especially with that job growth. Um, so I think there's gonna be a lot of debates about what a recession is, whether this is really a recession, um, if that number does come out negative um, when it's released on Thursday. Ben, it's on the one hand of this, on the other hand that, I feel like we need a third hand. Yeah, I mean, part of what, Part of it is, is that it's all definitional, really, right? Um, and, and it's what it's what annoys me about uh, about uh, these things. It's that uh, it, it. I don't think talking about recession um, really is driving home what's kind of, what's going on in this economy. Um, you know, it, it's a headline grabber. Um, it's, it will be used by politicians, um, but what we're experiencing this economy is very unlike anything we've experienced in the last certainly 20 years or so um where you know all our recessions have been we have never had we've never had inflation like this um and so there and, and the recessions have been really about trying to you know almost growth scares where you can't get the economy growing hot enough to even generate a lot of inflation and now we have this thing where we know that consumers are feeling the squeeze um, because of, of inflation. They're not being able to buy um, the, the stuff they want because they have to spend the money on the stuff they need. This is what we're hearing now. And so it's all very different than what we've heard before. But we also know that the job market is still pretty strong, despite those headlines that we're seeing about, uh, you know, hiring slowdowns and, and whatnot. Um, because, uh, you know, the companies are still do, there's still lots of job openings. It might not be the jobs that people want. And these are the things that, I mean, they're, they're huge debates with no easy answers. And I think that's what gets missed when talking about this um, period that we're in, is that when you had, in, in the post-global financial crisis period, there was almost, there was so little volatility to the economic data. It was, it was so slow and on trend, but it, like there was always these feelings that, oh no, it's going to tip over into recession, but it was really very stable. And this is a very erratic economy. It's running very fast, but there's a lot of volatility to it. And that's a lot harder to get a read on. That's why we need that third hand. <laughs> anyway. True. Let's talk about second quarter earnings because they're going to give us some sense of where the economy is headed. Broadly speaking, tell me what Wall Street is expecting, and then we'll go into a couple of companies reporting this week. Yeah, um, Wall Street hasn't been expecting a ton. 
Um, you know, they've uh, they came into the quarter. They've been lowering estimates a bit. Companies are beating. They haven't been beating by a ton, though. This is, you know, I think the, the fewest number of beats that we've had um, since the um, since uh, the COVID crisis. Um, one thing that is notable, though, is that uh, corporate sentiment is really bad. Um, Bank of America has uh, an index that it keeps track of basically how um, how companies sound on their conference calls, how the executives sound, and that the, the sentiment has just been really terrible. Um, and it actually points to even more drop in a uh, bigger drop in earnings ahead. And it's something that Morgan Stanley is talking about as well, is that um, they're urging people not to get so excited about the fact that we're seeing beats here. We're even seeing stocks go up on misses, which is something that we haven't seen in a long time. And that's partially because expectations were really bad heading into earnings. Um, and that, uh, you know, you can have less bad uh, like a Netflix and still go up. Um, but I, I do think that uh, what people have to realize, um, and this is what Morgan Stanley pointed out, is that, you know, they don't think that companies are done um, lowering their estimates. They think this is the beginning of them, of a cycle of lower estimates, um, that we're going to get this quarter after quarter for a while. And that if that's the case, then there is more downside to this market. Um, but a lot of expectations are that this is the kitchen sink quarter. This is when companies are going to come out and say, okay, this is how bad it really is. And they'll toss in everything that they possibly can to try to bring estimates down benefit from that. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, a, I, I know, I, I feel like that that's maybe wishful thinking because we're really not very far into this uh, whole cycle that we're in right now. Okay. It's going to be interesting to hear these companies. I assume you mean by how they sound on their earnings calls, not that's the sound right. of their voice, but... Not to sound their voice, but the, the words that they're using yes. um, to describe their quarters. Precisely. Um, so, it, go ahead. No, I was just going to, I was going to pivot to, um, you know, the, the big earnings this week are um, from the, you know, we have five uh, uh, mega cap tech stocks coming, um, well, tech plus. Um, and, and, and that's going to really be um, one of the things that's going to help determine where the market goes, just because these stocks are so big. It's Apple, it's Microsoft, it's Amazon, it is Alphabet, and it's Meta Platforms, the former uh, uh, Facebook. I mean, all these companies, don't, they don't have the same names anymore. I want to call Am uh -huh. Alphabet Google. I want to call Meta Facebook, but what can you do? Um, and, you know, they, they've all fallen a lot. They've fallen anywhere from like Microsoft is down 23%. Uh, Apple's down 13%. It's held up better than any of them. Um, you know, Meta's dropped 50%. Uh, so there's there's a lot of bad news in here, but they've all rallied quite a bit. They've um, been defamed, Ben. They, they really have been defanged, but they've been bouncing. They got everybody optimistic. I mean, Barron's even put Amazon on the cover this week. Um, and, and that all scares me a little bit. If you look at the charts for these, uh, for the stocks, um, they're all like coming into moving averages. They're, they're rising into resistance levels and things like that. And so it worries me that, you know, entering earnings season, they all have been beaten down so much. You're going, yeah, they're going to beat these. They're going to, they might miss these numbers. They might beat these numbers. They're going to go up. Um, but because of the rally that they've, they've had, I'm a little bit worried um, about how the, what the reaction is going to be for the big five. Understandable. On Thursday's call, our colleagues Alex Yule and Eric Savitz are going to be discussing 
the big tech earnings in some detail. Most of them will be out by then. So let's look at Coca-Cola. Speaking of companies also reporting this week, the stock is trading around 62. It yields almost 3%. And it seems like business is doing pretty well for Coke. What can we expect? Yeah, Coke has been an interesting one because um, it, it was actually a reopening beneficiary because it sells so much um of its product through restaurants um and and it's been helped by that and it's continued um and it will probably continue to get helped by that um it also turns out and i did not know this but that they do some hedging of the uh currencies um and of the currency exposure and so even though the dollar has been very strong um they probably um had a little bit of insulation from that as well um this quarter and perhaps this year um, which could help too. I, I think the biggest uh, issue with them is that they've done uh, pretty well this year. Um, you know, the the stock is up about four percent in uh, 2022, which is you know that's quite good given how hard the market's been hit. Um, and and so you have to worry that uh, perhaps um, you know the, the expectations are higher for it than for others. Um, but I do think that um, you know the stock the last three months haven't been that great. It's been down um, almost 6% um, over that period. And so that perhaps that's enough to uh, insulate it. Uh, there's that word again, um, it, it from uh, from a big drop, even on, on good earnings. So I'm pretty optimistic about it. It's one of the, it's a stock that I picked early in the year in the trader column and it's done um, okay because it's, it's up and it certainly has outperformed the market. So I, I'm pretty optimistic heading into this print. Good call so far. So General Electric also reports on Tuesday the company is getting ready to spin off most of its healthcare business. Then it's going to break itself into three different companies sometime early in 2024. And as David Giroux of Turo Price pointed out in our mid-year roundtable, the renewable energy business is a mess, but the whole company is in fact trading for much less than what its parts could be worth. So how do you size up GE and what should we listen for when GE reports on Tuesday? When it comes to GE, I listen to Al Root, um, ah. and Al, um, I think, has a, a view that's very similar to uh, David Giroux's um, over at T-Row, that uh, it, this is a company that um, has made a lot of progress. Um, it was a, a real mess, um, and uh, it's come a long way, and getting to the point where it can actually do this split is going to be a huge moment for it. Um, one of the things that, uh, it, you know, Al, Al was amusing to me about was uh, there is a very bearish analyst. I won't use his name on the on the call. And they're saying, well, you know, when is he finally going to turn bullish? And he's like, he's not going to have to because as soon as the stock splits, he isn't going to be having to cover the company anymore because, you know, part of it's going to be a healthcare company. Parts could be a renewable energy company. Um, and, and, I, and, you know, it was kind of... Uh, half serious, half joking, but there is something to be said for the fact that GE needs this to happen. It has been hanging under such so much bad news recently. And I mean, just for, for so long now that it, it needs a, a new beginning. And I think this is a, this is the new beginning. Then all these parts that didn't necessarily fit together so well anymore will be able to trade based on how well the business is doing. And yes, the renewable energy is a mess. Um, it, it's just, uh, it's a very difficult business right now, but the others should be doing, are doing pretty well. Um, especially the, you know, the healthcare is a great business. That's going to end up, uh, Al thinks like a mini Danaher. Um, going to be making some acquisitions here and there just to, to, uh, to have some growth um, to, or to add to the growth of the company and it should do pretty well. Aviation um, is really dependent on, um, 
and just the return to uh, to travel. But it's it's a business where you can really um, you know see see a pretty decent future for. So I'm pretty optimistic about it as well. The stock has gotten hit um, pretty hard recently. Um, I'd actually love to see it trade down to around. Um, 50. I don't think it's it's going to. Um, that's where I would I would love to buy it. Um, it's around 68 right now because it's been bouncing like everything else has been bouncing. Um, bounce from 60 up to 68. Again, it's one where um, I, I worry about it coming up into a resistance level uh, heading into this earnings number. Um, but we'll see what happens. Well, I was kind of sold on David Giroux's argument and our colleague Al. So I think that's a great analysis. Al also covers Boeing, which is reporting on Wednesday. Should investors expect good news this time or bad news? I, I can never tell with Boeing. Oh, I, I think all we can expect from Boeing these days is is bad news, um, unfortunately. Um, it, it just seems like anything that can go wrong there does go wrong. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it's really kind of uh, <laughs> frightening to see. I know Al's been very disappointed with it. He, he did a cover story, and it's almost a couple, two years ago now, where, you know, he had a list of things that he would have liked to see happen um, for the company to do better, and I don't think any of them have. Um, and, you know, that includes, you know, new planes and um, refocusing on the engineering side of things and even doing an equity raise um, to sort of uh, clear up uh, any balance sheet issues that, uh, you know, it could be perceived that uh, Boeing has. And um, none of it's really happened. And and it's hard to know, um, you know, at this point, there, there comes a point where you can't blame, um, you know, your predecessors. You can't blame the macro environment um, or any of those things anymore that you just have to deliver. And Boeing hasn't shown that it can deliver yet. Um, Airbus is, is, you know, is doing a, is doing a much better job. Um, so I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't be expecting great news yet uh, from Boeing. I just, I just don't know if it's, it's there to there yet but um you know i i hope i'm wrong um you know this has been such a great um company um it's been a great company for investors and it's been just a, a great company period um and it would be i think good to see that come back i'm just not very optimistic that it will anytime soon it was one of the great american industrials yes kind of like ge yeah. I mean, I was talking to uh, one investor who was just saying that, you know, it stopped focusing on uh, innovation and, uh, you know, just, you know, focused on uh, on the free cash flow and returning uh, returning uh, cash to, to shareholders and really lost sight of what made it a, a great company. And uh, I'm not sure it's um, uh, it's it's gotten that back yet. Then one thing that investors will be paying attention to is uh, the free cash flow. Um, it's kind of the thing that, that drives Boeing stock and, um, it, it's, you know, it, it's gonna, if it's able to beat on free cash flow and, um, it, it sounds positive and here's coming back to what people sound like when they talk, they sound positive on having uh, positive free cash flow this year. That'll be great for the stock. Um, but if they looks like they're not going to be uh, positive free cash flow in 2022, that's going to just be the next piece of bad news. So that would be bad news for the investors and bad news for the company as well. Oh, yes. So that is not a good situation. So restaurant stocks seem to have been getting a bit of a lift, some of them anyway, from increased traffic as COVID has waned in some places this summer. Tell me about the outlook for McDonald's and Chipotle. They're both reporting this week. 
Well, the, the good news on both of them is that, uh, you know, traffic has been very solid. Um, people are, are still going to, um, to restaurants um, and, and ordering food. Um, I, I think the, the biggest issue uh, now for restaurants generally is, uh, again, the consumer. Are they um, going to be willing to spend uh, to go out? Um, I think they're more likely to spend a McDonald's price than a Chipotle price. Um, and they still have to deal with uh, the, the high cost of, of food products. So that is starting starting to get a little less bad than before. What's interesting about Chipotle is that um, it might be opening fewer stores, which would actually mean lower costs, um, and that could help them. Um, and with McDonald's, the, the biggest issue, I think, is not that it won't do well, because um, it, it probably will. It's just a, a very well-run company. Um, it does have, you know, lower prices so that people will continue eating there um, even when their budgets start getting pressed. Um, but they um, they're expensive. Um, you know, they have outperformed uh, most other restaurants. I think they're down about five. Expensive, you're saying the, the stock is expensive. Yes. Um, McDonald's stock has dropped five percent this year. Its peers have dropped 20 percent this year. Um, and it is, um, I believe this is according to Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer was pointing out that as a, on a relative valuation basis, it's at a, at a peak. Um, and so you have to worry, is it looking too expensive um, relative to others, despite all these great characteristics that it has? Okay, I want to go to some listener questions, and then we'll come back to a couple of other companies reporting this week. So Lee is one of our regular listeners, and he's caught your lineage professionally, Ben. He notes that you've been a trader prior to being a journalist. You're still a writer with the sensibility of a trader, and I think you'd agree with that. Yep. So he wants to know, using your trader instincts, whether you think the market will be higher or lower six months from now than it is today. And he points out earlier in the year, you said lower for the six months going forward from that. And he wonders where you put your money today, higher <laughs> or lower, or that third hand. <laughs> I mean, it, I'm okay. I'm going to have about six hands probably. Um, <laughs> Look out, Lee. I, I still think that uh, I'll still say, I think we have one more leg lower in the, uh, in this bear market. I don't want to put a time frame on it. Cause I don't know if it's a six month thing or if it could be a two month thing. Um, I just don't know for sure. Um, I, I do see earnings uh, pressure being um, stronger than before. It feels to me as if this rally that we've had off the bottom and a lot of these uh, tech and tech, you know, adjacent stocks um, are kind of starting to run out of momentum. Um, but I say that at a point where at the beginning of the year, it was very easy to look at the market and say, you know what, it has to go down now. Um, and it had nothing to do with me being, um, you know, clairvoyant or anything. It was just that there was a lot of momentum into the end of the year and into the start of the year. Um, and, and you start to feel that momentum. Stocks get above their moving averages by a lot. You look at the valuations and you think, okay, this this all you know that this is set up for a drop and then things happen that you didn't expect to happen um such as uh, you know russia invading ukraine no idea that was going to happen but that just adds to the you know to the weight of evidence um that that things are going wrong and then you have the fed with these massive rate hikes this is all stuff that i had no way of, of predicting at the beginning of the year um, you nor anyone else 
and and yet uh, just because of that focus on kind of this momentum plus valuation, it just felt like a good time to say, you know what, I think the market is going down. Now, here comes the on the one hand, on the other hand, I still think there's another leg lower. But what frightens me about this moment is that I can see it's it's not clear cut. Stocks have fallen a lot. Valuations are much lower. Um, and you're starting to see um, some you know, signs here. I mean, if the, if the Fed would decide that, you know what, it is going to start dialing, like it's only going to do 50 basis point hikes and then it's going to stop soon. Yes, the market can rally if for some somehow Russia, Ukraine reach some sort of truce and the fighting stops there. Um, you could you could see a rally as, as well. There's just lots of things now that um, um, that could go right um, in a way that at the beginning of the year, even if things go right, it was hard to see the market going up even more. And so it, it's one of those situations where I do see a lot of people that I think are are smart are saying like if, if you were the if you have cash because you weren't buying at the beginning of the year, this is the kind of time where you do want to start dollar cost averaging in because you could, could have another downside of 10 to 15 percent um, if the bear market gets it becomes a deeper bear market. But there's also that possibility that it goes goes up. And so it becomes more of a risk management kind of situation than a very one way than, than a binary call. And I wish I could say that there was a binary call. But, um, you know, my gut just says, yes, there is another like lower. I'm going to stick to that. Um, but I also acknowledge that there's more risk to that view than there was just a few months ago. Okay, Lee, keep asking, and Ben, you'll keep thinking about it. And the market will reveal all in time. Right? Yes, it will. <laughs> all right. We have a question from Joanne. She wants to know where you think Amazon and Google will be at the end of this year. I'm not sure you can answer that, but perhaps you can talk a bit generally about the stocks. Um, I, I, I think that they, put, they both have... Um, more downside um and the reason is that um it's it, it's more it's based more on how markets usually tend tend to cycle um when you have very long periods of certain kinds of stocks doing very well you usually go into periods where they don't do as well um and google and Amazon were among those stocks that uh, were, were some of the greatest performers. I mean, these things have been fantastic. And I don't necessarily think that they're going lower. I just think that this period of them being such outperformers is probably going to be on hold for a while, um, that they're going to be messier, that they just have to deal with things that, uh, that they, they didn't have to deal with for a while. Um, you know, with, with Amazon, it's, you know, the slowing consumer, uh, has this AWS business, but there's more competition um, there. Um, I mean, it has a cloud business. So it, 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 I just think that it's going to be a tougher ride for these guys. Um, so I, I'm, let's say I'm more pessimistic than I am optimistic about that. Okay. And I want to close with a quick look at Ford and General Motors. These have been abysmal stocks this year. General Motors is down 41%. Ford is down 38%. What is ailing these companies? Is there any chance of a fix? And they're both reporting earnings this week. They are both reporting earnings. And the the expectations, um, when you listen to the um, the analysts out there, are a little bit different. Um, General Motors actually cut their guidance earlier. Um, and uh, they've cited chip problems remaining. Um, and that's likely going to to sit on them they're also a little bit further behind in the um in trying to get an electric vehicle out there um ford has done a little bit better 
with that, but of course they both lag Tesla here in the United States. Um, and so the, the big questions for them are going to be, you know, there are just things there that uh, people used to give them credit for that they're not giving them credit for. One is just the, you know, the, in 2021, they get, they were given a ton of credit for their moves into EV. Now people are worried about the costs of that. Um, there are things like, you know, there, there are stakes in, uh, for Ford, the stake in Rivian, which was, you know, giving it a boost that now is not. Um, that uh, there was one analyst from Deutsche Bank actually took out some of its, uh, you know, used to give them valuation credit for their mobility um, business, has taken that out of the, some of the parts valuation. Um, because they just don't see where how it's going to be monetized. And that's something they didn't care about a, a year ago. And so there's just a lot of noise here. I mean, what's the biggest risk, though, is going to be, are we going to see all the supply chain problems go away at the exact time that people's demand for cars peaks? Um, and so then you have inventory hitting and nobody wanting to buy them. Um, and that's that's the biggest risk here. Um, that being said, both companies have been hit hard. Um, General Motors is down 41%. Ford is down 38% this year. And, um, you know, if I, I have to pick one, I think I would go with, with Ford. It doesn't seem to have the same kind of chip problems that GM does. And it's a little bit ahead of GM in the EV, um, in the EV race. Um, so I'm more optimistic about Ford. And I think we put Jim Farley, the CEO, on our best CEOs list this year. That's right. For improvements he's made in the company in the past year that may not be in the stock price yet. Yeah, they really did. Um, it, it, it seems like they've done something very smart in trying to create EV versions of already popular cars. So not trying to create something from scratch, um, but take something they know people like already. and Like the F-150. Like the F-150 um, and like the Mustang and build EV versions of that. And it seems to be working well so far. All right, Ben, we're going to have to leave it there today, but I want to thank you as usual for your wonderful commentary. And thanks to our listeners for your good questions and for staying with us. Tomorrow, the topic is how to navigate retirement when inflation is rising, markets are tumbling, and recession looms. Barron's Associate Editor, Reshma Kapadia, We'll speak with Christine Benz, Director of Personal Finance and Retirement Planning for Morningstar. They'll discuss practical advice on how those in or near retirement should be thinking about their portfolios and withdrawal rates as inflation hits 40-year highs. Thanks again, stay well, and have a good day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.